Chapter 2, Part 2 of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rasco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 2, Part 2 I'm 340, it's your play. I lead hearts. When Zoe returned, she found them once more deep in the game. After a short silence, and as Madame Laurent gathered up the cards and shuffled them, Madame Maloire asked, Who was it? Oh, no one answered the maid carelessly, only a youngster. I ought to have sent him about his business, but he is so pretty without a hair on his face and with blue eyes and such a girlish figure that I told him he could wait. He has an enormous bouquet in his hand and he won't leave go of it. He deserves to be whipped, a brat who ought still to be at college. Madame Laurent got up to fetch hot water to concoct some grog. The sugar and coffee had made her thirsty. Zoe murmured that, all the same, she could manage some as well. Her mouth had a bitter taste like gall. "'Well, and where have you put him?' resumed Madame Maloire. "'Why, in the little spare room that isn't furnished. It just holds one of Madame's trunks and a table. That's where I put such youngsters.' And she was sweetening her grog with several lumps of sugar when another ring at the bell made her jump. "'Hang it all! Wasn't she to be allowed to have a drink in peace now?' If what they had already had was only the beginning of it, it promised to be lively. However, she hastened to see who was there. Then, when she returned, seeing Madame Maloire's questioning look, "'Only a bouquet,' she observed. They all three drank after nodding to each other. The bell rang again twice as Zoe at last cleared the table, carrying the dirty plates to the sink one by one. But all this ringing was for nothing of any consequence." She kept the occupants of the kitchen well informed. Twice she came and repeated her disdainful phrase, Only a bouquet. However, the ladies had a good laugh between two of the deals as she told them of the looks of the creditors in the ante-room when the flowers were brought. Madame would find her bouquets on her dressing-table. What a pity it was that they cost so much and that one couldn't even raise ten sous on them. Well, there was a good deal of money wasted in the world. For myself, said Madame Maloire, I should be satisfied if I had every day what the men spend on the flowers they give the women in Paris. I dare say you are not at all hard to please, murmured Madame Lerat, if I had only the money spent on the wire alone. My dear, sixty queens. It was ten minutes to four. Zoe was surprised, could not understand at all how Madame could remain out so long. Generally, when Madame found herself obliged to go out in the afternoon, she got it over in less than no time. But Madame Maloire observed that one was not always able to do as one would wish. One certainly met with many obstacles in life, declared Madame Lerat. The best thing to do was to wait. If her niece was late, it was because she had been detained, was it not? Besides, they had nothing to complain of. It was very comfortable in the kitchen. And as she had no more hearts in her hand, Madame Lerat played diamonds. The electric bell was again set in motion. When Zoe reappeared, her face was quite radiant. Fatty Steiner girls, said she in a whisper as soon as she got her head in at the door. I put him in the parlor. Then Madame Maloire talked of the banker to Madame Lerat, who did not know any of that class of gentlemen. Was he going to check up Rose Mignon? Zoe wagged her head. She knew many things, but she was again obliged to go and answer the bell. Well, this beats everything, she murmured on returning. It's the blackamoor. 
It was no use, though I told him again and again that Madame was out. He has gone and made himself comfortable in the bedroom. We did not expect him till this evening. At a quarter past four, Nana was still absent. What could she be doing? It was most absurd of her. Then two more bouquets were brought. Zoe, not knowing what to do with herself, looked to see if there was any more coffee. Yes, the ladies would willingly finish the coffee. It would wake them up again. They were falling asleep settled in their chairs and continuously drawing cards from the pack with the same movement of their arms. The half-past struck. Something surely must have happened to Madame, they whispered to each other. All of a sudden, Madame Malois, forgetting herself, exclaimed in a loud voice, Double bezique! Five hundred! Hold your row, will you? cried Zoe angrily. What will all those gentlemen think? And in the silence which reigned, with the exception of a slight murmur, caused by the disputes of the two old women, was heard the sound of hastily approaching footsteps on the servant's staircase. It was Nana at last. Before she opened the door, one could hear her panting. She entered, looking very red and very abrupt in manner. Her skirt, the strings of which had probably broken, had dragged over the stairs, and the flounces had soaked in a regular pool, some filth that had flowed from the first floor where the cook was a perfect slut. "'Here you are at last.' "'Well, it's fortunate,' said Madame Lerat with a nasty look about her mouth, and still put out by Madame Alois's double bezique. "'You can flatter yourself that you know how to keep people waiting.' Madame is really very foolish, added Zoe. Nana, already out of temper, became exasperated by these reproaches. Was that the way to receive her after all the unpleasantness she had gone through? Mind your own business, can't you? she cried. Hush, madame, there are some people here, said the maid. So, lowering her voice, the young woman faltered all out of breath. Do you think I've been amusing myself? I thought I should never have been able to get away. I should have liked to have seen you in my place. I was boiling. I was on the point of using my fists. And then, not a cab to be got to come back in. Fortunately, it's close by. All the same, I ran as fast as I could. Have you the money? asked the aunt. What a question, replied Nana. She had seated herself in a chair close to the grate, her legs almost too tired to bear her and before she had even recovered her breath, she felt inside the body of her dress and drew forth an envelope, in which were four banknotes of one hundred francs each. One could see the notes by a large tear she had made in the envelope with her finger so as to make sure of what it contained. The three women around her looked fixedly at the envelope of common paper, all crumpled and dirtied in her little gloved hands. It was too late. Madame Lerat should not go to Rambouillet till the next day. Nana began to give her various instructions. Madame, there are some people waiting, repeated the maid. But she again flew into a passion. The people could wait. She would attend to them by and by, when she had settled what she was about. Then, as her aunt put out her hand to take the money, Oh, no, not all, said she. Three hundred francs for the nurse, fifty francs for your journey and expenses. That makes three hundred and fifty. I shall keep fifty francs. The great difficulty was to get change. There were not ten francs in the place. They did not ask Madame Malois, who was listening with an uninterested look, for she never had with her more than the six sous necessary for an omnibus. At length Zoe left them, saying that she would go and look in her trunk, and she shortly returned with a hundred francs, all in five-franc pieces. 
they counted them on the corner of the table. Madame Lerat went off at once, promising to fetch little Louis on the morrow. "'You say there are some people waiting?' resumed Nana, still sitting down resting. "'Yes, madame, three persons.' And Zoe named the banker first. Nana pouted her lip. Did that Steiner think she was going to stand any of his nonsense just because he had had a bouquet thrown to her on the previous evening? Besides, she declared, I've had enough for today. I shall not receive anyone. Go and say that you no longer expect me. Madame will reflect. Madame will receive Monsieur Steiner, murmured Zoe, without stirring, looking very grave and annoyed to find her mistress on the point of behaving very foolishly. Then she spoke of the Wallachian, who must be beginning to find time hang very heavily on his hands all alone in the bedroom. But Nana got into a rage and became more obstinate. No, she would see no one. Why was she ever bothered with a fellow who would stick to her to that extent? Kick em all out. I'm going to have a game at Bézique with Madame Maloire. I like that much better. The ringing of the bell interrupted her. This was too much. How many more of them would come to bother her? She forbade Zoe to open the door. The latter, without listening to what she said, left the kitchen. When she returned, she stated in a peremptory tone of voice as she handed two cards to her mistress, I told the gentleman that Madame would see them. They are in the drawing-room. Nana jumped up from her seat in a regular fury, but the names of the Marquis de Choir and Count Muffat de Beuville on the cards calmed her. She remained an instant wrapped in thought. "'Who are they?' she asked at length. "'Do you know them?' "'I know the old one,' replied Zoe discreetly, and as her mistress continued to question her with her eyes, she quietly added, "'I have seen him at a certain place.' This statement seemed to determine the young woman. She reluctantly left the kitchen, that warm refuge where one could gossip and take one's ease with the smell of the coffee warming on the embers of the charcoal." She left behind her Madame Maloir, who was now cutting the cards and telling her own fortune. She had continued to keep her bonnet on, only to be more at her ease, she had untied the strings and thrown the ends back over her shoulders. In the dressing-room, where Zoe rapidly helped her to change her things, Nana avenged herself for the worries she had to put up with by uttering in a low voice the most abominable oaths against men in general. These foul expressions grieved the maid, for she saw with regret that her mistress was a long time in getting free of the evil effects of her early surroundings. She even ventured to beg of her to be calm. "'Oh, pooh!' replied Nana, coarsely. "'They are a set of pigs, and they like it.' Nevertheless, she put on what she styled her princess look, and was moving towards the drawing-room, when Zoe stopped her, and of her own accord hastened to usher into the dressing-room the Marquis de Choir and Count Mifa. It would be much better that way. Gentlemen, said the young woman with studied politeness, I regret that you have had to wait. The two men bowed and sat down. An embroidered blind subdued the light admitted into the room, which was the most elegantly furnished one of the set. It was hung with light drapery and contained a handsome marble dressing-table, a large cheval glass with an inlaid frame, a reclining chair, and several easy-chairs covered in blue satin. On the dressing-table were placed the bouquets of roses, lilac and hyacinths, quite a pyramid of flowers, emitting a strong and penetrating perfume, whilst in the moist atmosphere, with the insipid smell rising from the dirty water, an odour more pronounced could now and again be discerned, emanating from a few sprigs of dry patchouli broken up into small pieces at the bottom of a cup. 
and, cuddling herself up, drawing round her the unfastened dressing-gown she had slipped on, Nana appeared as though she had been surprised at her toilette, her skin scarcely dried, looking smiling though startled in the midst of her laces. Madame, gravely said Count Mufa, excuse our taking you thus by storm. We have called respecting a collection. This gentleman and myself are members of the Poor Relief Committee for this district. The Marquis de Choix gallantly hastened to add, When we heard that a great actress lived in this house, we at once determined to call and personally plead the cause of our poor. Talent is ever allied to a generous heart. Nana made a great show of modesty. She acknowledged their remarks by slightly nodding her head, reflecting furiously, however, all the time. It must have been the old one who had brought the other. His eyes looked so wicked. Yet the other one, too, was to be mistrusted. His temple seemed curiously swollen. He might have managed to come alone. No doubt they had heard about her from the concierge, and each had called on his own account. "'Certainly, gentlemen, you were quite right to come,' said she most pleasantly. But the sound of the bell made her start. "'What, another visitor? And that Zoe who would persist in letting them in?' "'I am only too happy to be able to give,' she continued. In reality she felt extremely flattered. "'Ah, madame,' resumed the marquis, "'if you but knew the extent of the misery. Our district contains more than three thousand poor, and yet it is one of the richest. You can have no idea of the amount of distress prevailing. Children without food, women lying ill, deprived of all necessities, dying of cold. "'Poor people!' cried Nana, deeply affected. Her pity was so great that tears filled her beautiful eyes. In an impulsive moment she leant forward, forgetting any longer to study her movements, and her open dressing-gown displayed all her neck, whilst her bended knees indicated, beneath the flimsy material, the roundness of her form. A slight tinge of colour illumined the ghastly pallor of the Marquis's cheeks, and Count Mifa, who was on the point of speaking, lowered his eyes. It was decidedly too warm in that small room. It was heavy and close like a hothouse. The roses were drooping, and the smell of the patchouli in the cup was intoxicating. One would like to be very rich on such occasions, added Nana. However, one does what one can. Believe me, gentlemen, had I only known. She was on the point of saying something foolish under the influence of her emotion. But she recovered herself and left the phrase unfinished. For a moment she remained perplexed, not recollecting where she had put the fifty francs when she took her dress off. But at length she recollected. They must be on a corner of her dressing-table, under a pomatum pot turned upside down. As she rose from her seat the bell sounded again, violently this time. Good, another one. Would it never cease? The Count and the Marquis had also risen, and the ears of the latter seemed to turn in the direction of the door. No doubt he knew what the frequent rings at the bell meant. Mifa glanced at him, then each looked on the ground. No doubt they were in each other's way. But they soon regained their composure, the one looking proud and strong, his head well covered with his dark brown hair, the other straightening his bony shoulders over which fell his meagre crown of rare white hairs. Really, gentlemen, said Nana, laughing as she brought the ten big silver coins, I am afraid I shall burden you. "'Remember it is for the poor.' "'And an adorable little dimple appeared in her chin. "'She had assumed her 
hail fellow well met air and stood in an easy posture holding out her hand full of silver offering it to the two men as though saying come who'll take the count was the more active he took the money but one coin remained in the young woman's hand and to remove it his fingers were obliged to come in contact with her skin a skin so warm and soft that touching it sent a thrill through his frame nana greatly amused continued laughing there gentlemen she resumed next time i hope to give more having no pretext for remaining longer they bowed and moved towards the door but as they were about to leave the room the bell sounded again the marquis could not repress a faint smile whilst a shadow passed over the count's grave face nana detained them a few seconds to allow zoe time to find some out-of-the-way corner for the newcomer she did not like people to meet one another when calling on her this time the place must be quite full she was agreeably surprised however to find the drawing-room empty had zoe then put them into the cupboards good day gentlemen she said as she stood in the open doorway she enveloped them in her smile and her clear glance count muffat bowed low disconcerted in spite of his great experience of the world longing for a breath of fresh air dizzy from his contact with that room and carrying away with him an odor of woman and flowers which nearly stifled him and behind him the marquis de choir certain of not being observed dared to wink at nana his face for the moment all distorted and his tongue between his lips when the young woman re-entered the dressing-room where zoe awaited her with some letters and visiting-cards she laughed louder than ever and exclaimed well there go a couple of sharks they wheedled my fifty francs out of me but she was not annoyed it amused her to think that men should ask her for money all the same they were a couple of pigs she hadn't a sou left the sight of the cards and the letters brought back her bad temper the letters might be tolerated they came from gentlemen who after applauding her at the theatre now hastened to make their declarations as for the visitors they might go to the devil zoe had put some everywhere and she remarked that the suite of rooms was very convenient for each one opened on to the passage it was not the same at madame blanche's where you always had to pass through the drawing-room and madame blanche had had a great deal of unpleasantness on that account you must send them all to the right about resumed nana following her original idea begin with the blackamoor i sent him off a long time ago madame said zoe with a smile he merely wished to tell madame that he couldn't come to-night what great joy nana clapped her hands he wasn't coming what luck then she would be free she sighed with relief as though she had been pardoned when about to endure the most abominable of punishments her first thought was for dagonet that poor duck whom she had just put off till the thursday quick madame malois must write another letter but zoe said that as usual madame malois had gone off without letting any one know then nana after speaking of sending someone began to hesitate she was very tired a whole night for sleep it would be so nice the idea of such a treat at length proved irresistible she might just for once stand herself that i shall go to bed at once on returning from the theatre she murmured in a greedy sort of way and you must let me sleep till twelve o'clock then raising her voice she added now then look alive shove em all on to the staircase zoe didn't stir she would never permit herself openly to give advice to madame 
only she arranged matters in such a way as to enable madame to profit by her vast experience when she saw that madame was about to do something foolish monsieur steiner also she briefly asked certainly replied nana he before the others the maid still waited to give madame time to reflect wouldn't madame be proud to do her rival rose mignon out of such a rich gentleman one so well known in all the theatres look sharp my dear resumed nana who understood perfectly and tell him that he plagues me but she suddenly altered her mind on the morrow she might want him so winking her eye she laughingly added after all if i want to hook him the best thing is to chuck him out zoe seemed very much struck with the remark she gazed on her mistress with a look of admiration then went and sent steiner about his business without hesitation nana waited a few minutes to give her time to sweep the place as she termed it one had never before heard of such an assault she looked into the drawing-room it was empty the dining-room also but as she continued her inspection quite reassured and certain she would not come across any one she suddenly found herself in the company of a very little fellow on opening the door of a spare room he was seated on the top of a trunk very quiet and looking very good with an enormous bouquet on his knees oh heavens she exclaimed there is still one in here on seeing her the little fellow jumped to the floor his face as red as a poppy and he did not seem to know what to do with his bouquet which he passed from one hand to the other almost strangled by emotion his youth his embarrassment the comical figure he cut with his flowers touched nana who burst out laughing what children as well now men came to her when they had scarcely left off their swaddling clothes she became quite easy familiar maternal even in her way and slapping her thighs asked him for a bit of fun have you then come to be whipped baby yes replied the youngster in low and entreating accents this reply amused her all the more he was seventeen years old his name was georges hugon he was at the variety theatre on the previous evening and he had come to see her are those flowers for me yes give them to me then you little booby but as she took the bouquet he seized her hands with the gluttony of his happy age she had to strike him to make him leave go there was a young monkey who went it hot she quite blushed and smiled as she scolded him then she sent him away giving him permission to come again he staggered he could scarcely find the door nana returned to her dressing-room where francis appeared almost immediately to do her hair for the evening she never dressed before then seated before the looking-glass lowering her head beneath the skilful fingers of the hairdresser she remained silent and pensive when zoe entered saying madame there is one who will not go away very well then let him stop she calmly replied besides as fast as some go others come never mind tell them to wait when they get very hungry they will go off she had again altered her mind it now delighted her to keep the men waiting a sudden idea perfected her amusement she escaped from francis's hands and ran and bolted the door now they could come and fill the other rooms as much as they liked they wouldn't be able to pierce the walls she supposed zoe could go in and out by the little door that led into the kitchen however the electric bell kept on as lively as ever every five minutes the sound came again sharp and clear with the regularity of a well-oiled machine 
and Nana counted the tinklings by way of distraction. But a sudden recollection burst upon her. And my burnt almonds, what about them? she cried. Francis also was forgetting the burnt almonds. He withdrew a packet from the pocket of his frock coat with the discreet manner of a man of the world offering a present to a lady friend. However, each time his account was settled, he did not forget to include the burnt almonds in the bill. Nana put the bag between her knees and commenced to munch, moving her head now and again, according to the gentle pushes of the hairdresser. The deuce, she murmured after a short silence, there's a regular band of them. Three times successively had the bell sounded. It scarcely ceased ringing. Some of the rings were very modest ones, they seemed to falter with the nervousness of a first avowal. Others were very bold, vibrating beneath the touch of some rough hand, whilst others still were very hurried and passed away in a moment. They produced an incessant peal, as Zoe said, sufficient to disturb the whole neighborhood, all this crowd of men pushing in turn the ivory knob of the electric bell. It was too bad of that joker Bordenave. He had really given the address to too many persons. Nearly all the previous night's audience seemed to be calling. By the way, Francis, said Nana, have you five louis? He took a step backwards, scrutinizing the headdress, then quietly replied, Five louis? Well, that depends. Oh, you know, she returned, if you want securities. And without finishing the sentence, she nodded in the direction of the adjoining rooms. Francis lent the five louis. Zoe, in her moments of respite, came and prepared everything for her mistress's toilette. Soon she had to come and dress her, whilst the hairdresser waited, wishing to give a few finishing touches to his work. But the sound of the bell constantly called away the maid, who left her mistress with her stays half unlaced, or with only one stocking on. She got quite bewildered in spite of her experience. After having put men everywhere, even in the smallest corners, she was at length obliged to put three or four together, a proceeding which was altogether against her principles. Well, so much the worse if they ate each other. It would give more room. And Nana, safely bolted in, laughed at them, saying that she could hear them puffing and blowing. They must have a very queer look, all with their tongues hanging out like a lot of puppies sitting on their haunches in a ring. It was the success of the previous evening continuing. This pack of men had followed on her trail. I hope they won't break anything, she murmured. She was commencing to get uneasy under the influence of the hot breaths which percolated through the cracks. But Zoe ushered in La Bordette, and the young woman uttered a cry of relief. He had called to tell her of an account he had settled for her at the office of the Justice of the Peace. She didn't listen to him, but kept repeating, I shall take you with me. We will dine together. Then you shall see me to the Variety Theatre. I don't go on till half-past nine. That dear La Bordette, he had just dropped in at the right time. He never asked for anything. He was merely the lady's friend, and interested himself in their little affairs. For instance, on coming in he had sent all the creditors to the right about. Those worthy people, however, had not wished to be paid. On the contrary, if they persisted in waiting, it was merely to compliment Madame and personally to offer her their services after her great success. Let's be off, said Nana, who was now dressed. Just then, Zoe hastened into the room, crying, I cannot answer the bell again, Madame. There's a regular crowd coming up the stairs. A crowd on the stairs? 
Even Francis laughed in spite of the coolness he affected as he gathered up his combs. Nana, seizing hold of Labordette's arm, dragged him into the kitchen, and, free at length of the men, she hurried away thoroughly happy, knowing that she could be alone with him no matter where, without any fear of his making a fool of himself. "'You must bring me home again,' she said as they went down the back stairs. "'Then I shall be safe. Only fancy, I intend to sleep a whole night, a whole night all to myself. Just a whim of mine, old fellow.' End of chapter 2